Hello and uh, welcome to episode five of Anti Folly. Um, today is a very special occasion. Uh, not only are we joined with the legendary Ethan Sampson, but oh, thanks. We're joined with myself, Sam Connington, and even more special, even Noah, more than that, Noah Miller. No, introduce yourself a little bit. Dang, I finally made it on the show, guys. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, it's uh yeah, it's an honor to be on here. I've no, I've listened to a few of your episodes now. Hopefully, I'm prepared. <laughs> Dang. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, Noah's my uh, direct roommate in the suite. We're all in the same suite, but um, fellow poli sci major, uh, we take a few classes together. So yeah, no poli sci pre law. Hey. If you're interested in the legal field or perhaps you don't know what you're doing, maybe uh, stop by Pre-Law Society. We're looking for members. We got a lot of neat events coming up. I will not be stopping by, but it's not because... Shame. Oh, so much shame. Shame. <laughs> uh, it's, it, I'm just not Pre-Law, so... But it I'm sounds not, like it's awesome. I'm not Pre-Law either, but Pre-Law is a very important mm. major area, so... Definitely check it out. Also, if you haven't already, consider joining Senate, where uh, the application's open all, at least for the remainder of this semester, I'm pretty sure. So it's a pretty, pretty sick opportunity to get involved. Uh, That's true. You know what I didn't know about Senate? What? You get 50 bucks every semester, right? Yeah. And then every yep. semester after that, you get additional 50 on top of that. I know. I didn't know that when I signed up. So that means you get 100 your second semester. And that's coming from my pocket, bro. It is. It's insane. Straight from Ethan's pocket. (laughs) Straight from my pocket. All of it. Yeah. Well. I guess we we could probably jump into it here. Yeah, I think, well, yeah, I think just like, yeah, I think it's worth noting that like Noah is our first, hopefully of many guests. Mm -hmm. And like, we would love to connect with people, find some people we we also figured out we can like call in people too, so it, it that turns would be out super cool. Pretty decently on the yeah, I, th- I think it would go super well with that too as well. So figuring out something that's worth talking about and maybe having a little disagreement about, um, just like f- looking for the fruitfulness in that, and um, yeah, so just mm-hmm. we're excited for that. Yeah, um, yeah, and I, th- I think Noah's a perfect uh, little. I guess case study in our guest, case you know, study. <laughs> first guest. This could be the first, could be the last, you know, yeah. first of many. Who knows? Depending on how this goes, I Depending might be the how. last guest here. <laughs> who knows? We might not even upload this episode. Let's yeah. See. <laughs> but uh, no, I mean we're all in the same like sphere of understanding. But I think Noah maybe disagrees with me and Ethan on some stuff. Definitely disagrees with Ethan on some stuff, as you'll find in this mm-hmm. episode. But I think that's kind of that's the goal. Of, of this entire podcast is to have people that don't think exactly like mm. me, don't think exactly like Ethan. So yeah, just a really great opportunity and a great guest. So yeah, here let me get to the scripture before yeah. before, before I say that, that though, though. I think it's worth saying also like the f- the folly the f- the foolish thing to do would be to not talk about disagreements and just sit by and not talk about them. Yes. So you know, just subtle plug for our name, mm. anti folly, and I guess further to outlay this this episode um our topic today probably should have said this a lot earlier uh if you haven't read the title it's basically going to be about what the relationship is between government and christianity and how that practically plays out and we're going to kind of look so more so at subjects and issues like theonomy versus theocracy and god's law and its relevancy to the present day 
very interesting topic. We're not even going to be able to do it justice with this, but mm. Ethan, go ahead, open it with scripture. Yes, the scripture. Um, if I if I'm thinking correctly, this will be our first verse that is not out of Proverbs. So this is just we're just making so much history, anti folly history right now. All right, this is First uh, Corinthians two thirteen through fourteen, and we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. Yeah. So it says folly in there. It was in a book I was reading by uh, John Piper. So that's why I was like, oh, that's a good verse. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, anyways, I think to maybe get this started off, we, we we've talked about we uh, the three of us outside of this podcast talked through this a bit, and I think the first thing that we probably should have done and we're gonna tr- attempt to do now is to kind of lay out some definitions and terms, and I think that'll probably just divulge us into the topic at hand. So really, I think the first thing is, what's the difference between I think I have this right. A theonomy and a theocracy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if. Yeah, if one of you guys right off the bat has no, I feel like this might be up your alley. Oh, uh, theonomy versus theocracy. Yeah. Yeah. How do uh, you see that? Oh well, as I understand it, theonomy is a nation ruled by, directly by God, by mm-hmm. a divine law, and theocracy is very similar to that. In fact, uh, I, I think. Some people can use them, uh, can use them interchangeably. But the main difference I see there is that theocracy has an element of interpretation to it, whereas people who have built up a system of theonomy would posit that theirs is, comes directly from God. Okay. That's how I understand it. Maybe if you guys have any yeah. disagreements there. Or- I think I just looked up the definition. I mean, I think I get a like theonomy is more you're looking at like from purist perspective theonomy is like a more pure form of what a theocracy would be and i mean they have underneath for hyponyms for theocracy on dictionary i'm looking at uh, sharia law would be an example so it's more so like it's more of an interpretive interpreted basis of god's law versus god's law directly if that makes any sense yeah and that's how i've understood it but I'm pretty sure Ethan told me recently that he might have a disagreement with those yeah. definitions. We, yeah, we were talking about that just before too. Yeah, yeah. I bit. think the it's basically okay. Uh, as I'm also hearing what you guys are saying too, I think so. You receive this direct law, mm-hmm. and I think any good application is going to involve some any good application of the law is going to involve some interpretation. So I see, I, I see a difference between um, a theocracy where an individual is, u- is co-opting the law to rule, where I think even in a, this like kind of pure theonomy, you're going to see civil magistrates adjudicating the law. They're putting the law into, into effect and they're enacting Part of that as well is enacting, you know, the punishments that that are in the law for crimes. And so, like, a good example of this in my mind is, like, the judges. 
so before you have is the the group of the um, nation of Israel before it, it turns into this monarchy with David and all of the kings mm-hmm. before that you have this time where we're in a theonomy but there are judges that are sent by God um, and they are are there basically the means through which he is bringing he's bringing justice and also judgment onto the people of Israel and so I would see that I think I would see that as theonomy still and I would probably even see oh sorry I'd probably even see I don't know it's it's, it's a tough distinction I'm trying to think through it too but but that theocracy that it's still in a form in a in a good kingship would still be a theonomy where they are mm-hmm. they it's like the job of the king somewhere in Deuteronomy I believe to get up and like yeah read all of the law which I and be like I need to that. enforce this like I need to enforce this law that's their duty and so whenever like I would argue even in America this is sorry this is kind of going off on a tangent but anywhere that the government is is not being a minister to the law that they're not adjudicating God's law then they've they've stepped into becoming a tyrannical government so like I believe like with vaccine mandates when that violates my my right to basically religious freedom etc the these mm-hmm. these self-evident laws then they're in tyranny and they're no longer fulfilling even just the job of government but sorry that's a bit off off of the topic there I mean I think that's actually perfectly on point because I guess what I would I would believe is that uh, theocracies historically in in their less pure form have have kind of led into a path like that where maybe some crazy guy is like okay God told me this completely against scripture you know like I mean I think a good example is like the Jonestown incident you know in Guyana French Guyana where like this dude like thinks he's a prophet of God and he's like telling people that like you know God told me I need to marry your like 10 year old daughter all this stuff and have sex with her it's just like stuff like that where it's like pretty much everyone you know it's yeah. like that's an abuse of it so I think I think what you've said is pretty relevant okay but yeah yeah I, I, I like that you brought up the sorry I like that you brought up the Israel one because I think for someone like me at least where I'm coming from it's like that is the ideal especially under like the judges and in that direct relationship with God that they had but I don't think we're necessarily at a place where we have that to the same degree. And I think we talked a little bit about this last time, but mm-hmm. that's something that I wrestle with a lot with this question. Yeah, and I guess this brings to the the question maybe to you guys where basically I'm I've I haven't explicitly said it yet, so I'll say it now. I think that God's law should be the governing authority even today. Mm-hmm. And Kind of, you kind of started to say it, but what do yeah. you what do you guys think is um, the optimal relationship between government, um, like or like government today? What would be the optimal situation? Okay, well, I'll interject here. I'm kind yeah, yeah. of a pessimist when it comes to kind of the government ability to kind of replicate God's law in like our human realm. So I personally don't think humans are capable of it. So 
there should be a complete separation of church and state. The government should be built upon secular foundations. From there, you know, you can elect Christian politicians, for instance. And then within those secular institutions, you can try to, like, govern with Christian values. But at the end of the day, the institutions that build up government should be inherently secular. That's where I'm coming from. Okay. Mm -hmm. So would you see, so if, if the majority of government was Christian, just like developed into that, Mm -hmm. would you still see that as a secular institute, like a secular institution separate from the church? Yeah. Yeah. For the most part, you can govern. I think governing with values isn't like a bad thing, for instance, but you're not going to have a, like a situation where like, you know, in Israel, you were talking about where the king is like, like there because of like, uh, God said he would be there for instance. Uh, Mm -hmm. and all the people are there because of like rules and institutions that were decided from a secular basis. And if, you know, those rules and institutions result in, like, laws and practice that are Christian, then, you know, that's fine. Great. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. Right? So, this sorry, this is, like, I'm just curious what you would say. This is maybe kind of off the, off the track a little bit. Do you think that presidents should swear on the Bible? Uh, swear on the Bible? I think presidents can swear on whatever they book they want sure. i mean like let's say are, are you really going to make like a non-christian president swear on a, on the bible that doesn't re- that just seems a little extra to me right mm-hmm. like how much does that mean to the like to the even, person even if you make sure. them swear on the bible how much does that even mean to like us christians right sure right like uh, do they really mean it when they're swearing on it yeah uh, i think if you're not a christian you don't have to swear on the bible you yeah. can swear on what you want I think, like historically it's kind of been the case i think yeah. i yeah, I don't know if you know, has it ever happened that they haven't? I mean, Ilan Omar is a perfect example. She, yeah, she it, swore in on the on the Quran. I don't think oh, any really? presidents yeah. haven't. Okay. Presidents haven't, yeah. I don't think. That's what I, I knew for sure. I was like, I'm pretty, okay. That's interesting. Yeah. I, sorry, that's like totally kind of off a little bit, but I just thought that I that was an interesting point, thing. Yeah. I, I guess I have a question for you, Noah, because I, I think me and you are kind of on the same side of the argument to a degree. I'm mm-hmm. kind of... I feel like I kind of bridge the gap in a way between the two arguments. Like I'm kind of in the middle yeah. a little bit, but I guess something I'd struggle with from your argument, maybe more so, is that yes, you can you can try to aim towards this like secular, like non-sectarian, you know, uh, founding. What's non-sectarian, principle. Sam? Non-sectarian is like essentially it's without religious leaning, without political leaning. It's okay. like it's just okay. like this supposedly objective, you know, no bias, objective, non-bias, you know, I don't, I don't think that as a structure is possible to exist itself either. I think, because obviously there's always going to be bias in everything. Mm -hmm. I think in a secular society, you're, you're basically, you're just replacing where, where you get legitimacy for what you believe. Like, let's say rights is a perfect example. Um, look at like the UN human rights. They just, all they do is they just declare a bunch of random things, but they don't really have a source for the legitimacy of the things that are objective. It's like in a secular society, you kind of have to find it from a basis where like, oh, you think everyone's inherently good because it's like where, you know, it's like, I I obviously agree. I don't think we need, I don't think it's necessarily a great idea to have like a specifically religious um, founding, but like at the same time, like 
a specifically secular idea of it too is, is kind of the same problem it kind of runs into where it's like kind of where do you get the legitimacy from, I, I feel guess. like you know where I'm going to go with this maybe okay perhaps I feel like so okay we're going to go back to the uh, existentialist argument here mm-hmm. um, so the way I I don't see in, the, in a world where we have right meaning that is it seems to be subjective right Right. As Christians, we might recognize a set of objective principles, right, and morals and ethics, right, that come from the Bible and God. But the thing is, in a world without consensus, we kind of have to recognize meaning as somewhat subjective, right? Maybe the Bible has authority over everyone, right? But how much does that authority mean if people don't recognize it? Yeah. So in this world with, like, subjective meaning— the legitimacy of like rules and rights are just legitimately they're just democratic right like you can have all these like morals and ethical systems that are based on secular grounds like utilitarianism kantian ethics etc etc and they can like form these like spheres of influence and then in these spheres of influences maybe they can like guide countries to accept like rights x y and z now, there's nothing objective about these, mm-hmm. but it doesn't mean that just because they're coming from a subjective place doesn't mean they don't have a right in themselves to, like, exist, right? Like, people can recognize them, and I think that's fine personally. That's why I, I typically like to look look at the world through an existentialist uh, point of view. It was created by Kierkegaard, who was a Christian, even though— Typically, a lot of people nowadays like are agnostic or atheist who use the point of view. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, it, it comes from Christian roots that recognizes that you can't kind of force an objectivist worldview on a world that doesn't recognize like the same objective framework. First, you need to convince the world of that objective framework. Then you can. Otherwise, it's kind of pointless. Yeah. I guess— are you done? Sorry. Yeah. Okay. Um. I guess my question would be like, how do you protect rights then if it's by a democratic means of establishing it? Like, doesn't that mean it is a right really something that's inherent to the individual then, or is it just inherent to whether or not the collective identifies that as being a right? Yeah. It. Uh. So people. Yeah. There, there's only meaning insofar as conscious agents recognize them. Okay. That's really it. But the thing is you gain more meaning as the more people like kind of recognize it. For instance, maybe you don't recognize something as a right, but Ethan and I recognize something as a right. That like recognition has more meaning in like our kind of world now because more people recognize it than don't. Yeah, but like it's, it's that kind can of, change at a whim though. Like, yeah, it can change in a whim, of course. It's like, uh, I'm uh, not saying yeah. it's like a perfect system. It's just kind of how I observe the world and see okay. that like this is how things come to be. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I would just fundamentally disagree, which I, I 100% respect that you have the opinion. Oh, yeah. But like, I mean, I feel like rights needs to be something, especially as libertarians, like it needs to be something that is objective and has a legitimacy or else they're just really at the whims of the, you know, the tyranny of the majority. Yeah. My understanding is that legitimacy uh, comes from the majority. Yeah. So maybe that's where I would yeah. I would disagree because I don't think I don't think like personally yeah. I I could I recognize like Christian morals and ethics and that's that means something to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
but it, it, it's a whole different thing when we're looking at what the world recognizes. Yeah. You first you first need to convince the world of your like objectivist worldview. Otherwise, it's just going to be subjective. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day. So I th- I think I I do get at least in a sense what you're saying is like well if you really look at the world right now or even like in American society the things that are true is what a majority of people think is true. If we all think that gender is just a social construct then the way that we act and the way that that those things are lived out is yeah because words that at way. the end of the day they're you know social constructs so like the reason we have words is because they have utility mm-hmm. so you know changing meaning is um, mm. yeah that's where that comes from at least okay but that would you say would you say in an like in I ideally so would you say then well then you know as a Christian I hope one day everyone is convinced that this is the correct set of morals. Oh yeah, of course. Okay. So like, yeah, that's in a in a perfect world we'd go out and every and you know kind of in a way campaign to everyone, make everyone Christian, right? Yep. But in when it comes down to governing, I don't want to force like a framework that not everyone recognizes onto everyone. Yeah. What if I guess the thing for me is when it comes to God's law, God's law, this is, I think, maybe the kind of point of some points of distinction is I I believe that God's law is being applied to everyone regardless of their knowledge of it or not. And so actually Paul argues this in Romans. He's like the law, it brings knowledge of sin, but that's actually a good thing because you are sinning either way. Oh, and yeah. especially if you, you know, if you're living in a society where you don't know that the law exists at all, you're sinning either way. You are bringing ju- judgment upon yourself, but you don't know. It's not made clear. And so what the law does is it actually makes clear your sin. And that ends up being a good thing because then basically it's basically the law is letting you know that what you're doing is wrong. So, and it is that standard. Yeah, so the way I see it, it we're being judged by God, right? So mm-hmm. if we combine the human world and, you know, the holy world, right, w- realms we are, then we do live in a theonomy, right? Because the lives we live here are only temporary. Once mm-hmm. we go to heaven, we're going to have to, you know, all, like, pave for, like, you know, the sins here um, in, in the way that maybe you would in, like, uh, a country that, like, is a theonomy. So in a certain sense, if you look at it in a way that like if you combine the human and God's realm, then yeah, we already are in a theonomy. But in terms of govern- governing the like human realm, mm-hmm. I just don't see that that like God's law being applicable to everyone that doesn't recognize the same framework because it, like God like the Bible has authority over everyone and if I, I've said this before, but that authority doesn't really mean a whole lot unless you recognize it. That's yeah. a, that's where I'm coming yeah. from. Espe- especially yeah. in like a in a non-Israel type of setting, like in 2020 America, where you can go out and get like 50 abortions, and there's not like a direct consequence to you. Versus, you know, if someone did 50 abortions back then. 
prior to Christ, you know, mm-hmm. coming, it it had very much direct, mm-hmm. you know, but godly even, like, yeah, impacts yeah. of it. Mm-hmm. So it's like, and listen, I, I actually yeah. kind of do a little bit lean towards that because not everyone is, even though the objectivity I disagree with, I do agree with the, the idea that not everyone adheres to the same set of morals. And we talked about this last time. Even like, like in America, even today, we we generally all adhere to this sort of like "thou shalt not kill" stuff. We define it differently, obviously, with the issue of abortion. But in that sort of more secularized society, it is sometimes better to not have a law that necessarily ties each person to the Christian legal system in the same way. Yeah, this is. But gonna, I guess I wrestle oh, with sorry. it because there's certain aspects of the Christian law which I, I subjectively think need to be enforced, which is obviously okay. the objectivity of, you know, thou shalt not murder, thou shalt not steal, all that stuff. Versus, but I, but the thing is, a lot of them, those ones that I see, those ones are intertwined with the non-aggression non-aggression principle, which is like, you know, protection of private property of the individual against aggression from the government and uh, other individuals. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's like, I don't know. I'll come back to a point I made earlier, mm-hmm. right? And I, in an ideal unfallen world, perhaps, yeah, we could have theonomy, but I'm a little pessimistic in that I don't think humans are capable of building like a, a theonomy. Like I, it goes back to like Niebuhr, the like trying to build heaven is the fastest on earth is the fastest way to building hell. Mm. The, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Well, I would say that I would agree with that sentiment actually. Mm-hmm. Um, Actually, that's that's kind of a sick quote. That is, I a think. Sick quote. Did you get that? I, I quoted that in class. Do you remember that? Uh, did you? Oh, <laughs> that maybe. was from that chapter. I was Bro, like, oh, yeah. I underlined. It. I was like straight up, like, that's cool. <laughs> yeah, these um these readings are coming in handy. Oh yeah, on these podcasts. That I don't do. What class but, is this? Oh, uh, this is a uh, political quest, which is like right yeah. right now we're talking about like different denominations' views of like what government's role should be. Gotcha. So then they had like, oh, that's dope. A black prophetic voice, which is like. Government. I had to read something about, about you know all that stuff. It's like yeah, but I had to read something about prophetic ethics, which is probably very much along the same lines. It's similar, in I one think, of my classes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah what I was going to say is, basically, I don't think that theonomy, in the way we see it in the law, is going to be heaven. Mm-hmm. And and I say that because, it's it's basically what I would kind of say in the way I view, the law is, okay, you have the Ten Commandments. Well, you okay, you have two commandments. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Those are expounded into Ten Commandments, the ones that you're kind of listing off. Don't murder, don't steal, don't covet, those things. Yeah. And then the law is, is even more than that. So then you have the five books, the first five books of um, the Old Testament, and that's really walking through application or... Um, in really, ap- yeah, application interpretation of of those ten commandments, and it's saying, okay, even more so than this, th- these are rooted in the ten commandments, but these are expounding on it. You know, you shouldn't all all these things. You should, you know, have railings on your roofs because if someone falls, then you are responsible for that. Um, and that, and I think we don't need to have. I'm not saying that we need to have railings on our roofs. I'm saying then we should be applying that into if you have a second story porch in your house with no railing on it and someone falls well on your property well then you bear some amount of responsibility um and to go back kind of what i was was saying 
it is it would not be ideal to like be killing people for committing crimes that's not that's not what you hope and obviously i would i would say because that's a lot of a lot of you know the major crimes in the in the law are going to be met with the death penalty and i think that 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 definitely feels really harsh especially in our society where we really try to re rehabilitate that's not what the what god's law is about really mm -hmm. um it's it's clear punishments for crimes and it would not be cool like to be in israel and someone to steal something and then have to stone them that would not, that would not be cool like that would not be like oh this is heaven but it <laughs> would be just mm -hmm. and it would be i we we talked about this before um some agreement for sure is i think we all have is our jail system our prison system now is really really messed up people shouldn't be in prison for having possession of drugs no and be taken away from their family and even on top of that who is really suffering mm -hmm. okay in a, in a sense they're suffering they're being taken out of you know their, their circumstance and etc but like the taxpayers and the society at large ends up having to pay for that and then these people are being you know unjustly taken advantage of used by you know target and etc to mm -hmm. to grow their corporations so it's all just really bad and so I think that would fix some of the issues. Um, but I see also how like a libertarian society where people aren't being locked up for um, a lot of decisions that they make acting in a very similar way. Sorry, that was really long. <laughs> I was talking a lot. No, I, I, I think you hit some some good some good points there. Yeah. Sure. So you'd know a lot more about this than I do due to your na the nature of your study. But how do you feel about like the contention between, you know, the Bible being the source of like uh, from God, but also being mm -hmm. written by people within a certain historical context. Yeah. Like, uh, how, how do you think the laws maybe would, do you think the laws would be different if they were written in today's context versus uh, in the past? That's a good question. I think, um, I think that the laws would be the same, but I think the way in which then we would see them written in the law would be re be like applied in the law would be different. So there's one, um, don't muzzle the ox while it, um, plows grain, something like that. Mm -hmm. It's, it's talking, you know, basically let the ox eat some food while it's, while it's plowing the fields. But that has in the new Testament, I don't, I don't know where it is and I would love to look it up and probably I can get back to you on it or we could talk about it maybe in a future podcast, et cetera. But, um, basically it gets applied as, so, so that was written for old Testament Israel. Then Paul is interpreting it and applying it in the new Testament, which I, he's a different human than wrote the old, the old Testament law, but I still believe, you know, he's, he's an apostle. He's being inspired by God and what he's writing. So he's interprets it and applies it as basically you should pay people for their work. If I'm remembering correctly. I so have no idea personally. <laughs> I, I was listening to some, I've been listening to some stuff since we last talked. Okay, so I'm just basically <laughs> reciting what I heard somewhere. But basically I think that we would see things applied very differently. You know, we don't have railings on our, on our roofs anymore. But there is a general general, general. equity. <laughs> Gosh dang it. I lost mm -hmm. game. 
Awesome. Oh, uh, there's a general. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> my bad. Sorry. There's a general equity that we would see across those things. Um, but yeah, we have all these things that they don't have and they have all these things we don't have. Um, yeah. No, that's interesting. So yeah, back to what we were talking about before, you know, the state of like the relationship between government and religion. Yeah. Um, this is something I asked you before. I'm just wondering if your perspective on this has changed at all, but like, how do you think the Bible like, uh, is as a guiding document perhaps for a nation in like a, like for a theonomy? Do you think Mm -hmm. the Bible perhaps could be a guiding book for countries? For the law, I I do yes I think that's that's really the I believe that the law is good I believe that um, that we we should hold on to it I think I would point to wanted to throw this in somewhere Romans uh, three thirty one says there's, it's a great conversation about um, the law and well you know aren't we saved by faith etc. So then Paul's like, well, do we overthrow the law by this faith? By no means. On the contrary, we uphold the law. So I believe that we we should continue to uphold the law. Um, but I would acknowledge the difficulty of taking something that is 4,000 years old, probably more than that, I don't know, and applying that to America. I acknowledge the difficulties within that, but I still believe that it is... Um, it is the correct, just, right, good thing to do, um, even today in 2021. Yeah. I, I would have to agree with you there. I mean, it's just, I guess, a matter of how you apply it is where I would disagree. But Well, what do you what do you mean by that? I guess like... Like in a libertarian society. In a libertarian society, I mean, I don't think... I think the laws should be reflective of God's law, which I think generally the... American laws have in one way or another been influenced by that sort of Judeo-Christian Ten Commandment type mm-hmm. of deal. I think reforming the prison system will 100% get us closer to, you know, adhering to that more closely. But uh, I guess I would I ask. guess I agree 100% in the fact yeah. that, like, the legitimacy still stands the same because, like, as a Christian, I believe the Bible today is no less God's word than it was 4,000 years ago, mm-hmm. or, you know, whatever the day, the amount of years was. And I don't think necessarily time or place delegitimizes the authority that it has. The application or interpretation of it, though, may differ a little bit. Yeah. So my main thing here is I, you know, I believe the Bible, like, is the word of God. Mm-hmm. But my main thing here is that I'm not sure the Bible was meant to guide nations. It was written to well, like for like people in their faith, and uh, I think when you try to apply it to a nation, you you're gonna run into a lot of problems. You're gonna l- run into people who disagree on what the Bible is trying to tell us to do. For instance, not all Christians believe on in terms of like abortions, whether they're right or wrong, or so, uh, some some mm-hmm. other issues. You can disagree with them, but at the end of the day, they're both making biblical arguments. And I think you're going to find a lot of other issues where people are going to be making biblical arguments mm-hmm. but getting different cl- conclusions. So what I think is this is why I support like a liberal democracy like we have now where we have religious freedoms 
everyone can kind of live their religion as they want to. So if you end up getting like the state supporting a certain religion, I fear that we're going to end up with some sort of perversion Mm -hmm. of that religion based on interpretations of the Bible, Mm -hmm. which not everyone's going to agree Mm -hmm. with. That's why I kind of believe in like the liberal value of like letting conflicting parties coexist peacefully, right? In a society, we can have the marketplace of ideas where people are, you know, get to debate and like convince each other like to move to my religion because of X, Y, and Z. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's kind of where I I would uh, agree with you for sure. There is that like, I mean, I think since Israel, I think almost every other time where God's law has been attempted to be implemented to the same level, you've seen it utterly fail. And I think that just has to do with our fallen nature and the fact that where we are distance wise from the closeness to like God's literal presence. I mean, obviously God is always here. God's in this room right now. God, mm-hmm. the spirit's working right now. You know, all of these things are occurring. But when I say that, I'm meaning more so like, you know, we don't have the sort of situation like we had in Israel where there's a direct revelation occurring to the same degree that it did then. You know, that was a very special, that was a very special circumstance in time. And mm-hmm. I think because we're in such a fallen place where we're not, we don't have that, which I think sucks because I would, I would much prefer to live under a perfect, like a somewhat perfect theonomy like they, like they had during Israel. You know, that's, I think is way better alternative than what we have today. But I don't think we, it's possible for us to achieve that. Cause I think in a sense, it's somewhat utopian, you know, to think we can get there. Well, not that we shouldn't strive towards something close to that, but like, I yeah. don't think it's necessarily attainable. I would, I would argue that things were not, things were not good in Israel. Okay. As in, when you look at the prophets, mm-hmm. they're turning away from God. They're seeking after other gods. Um, so they're denying the true, the, the one true and living God. There, you know, he's like, you know, you're whoring, you know, you're whoring after other gods, all these things, super serious. They screw up all the time, royally, royally. (laughs) They they suck. Okay. They, they suck. And they're being, they're being held to, I think a way higher standard of holiness than anything close to what we are. Mm -hmm. Anything like that's really, I think is the, the, the interesting thing. And I think. The, the thing that has to be separated out is, okay, and I maybe should have said this a long time ago. There are the things that are gone now that are that are in the law that if you go, you know, you go and read Deuteronomy or Leviticus and stuff and it's like, oh, you can't have, you know, clothing of mixed fibers and you can't eat pig and you can't do all of these things. Those are things to keep them ceremonially clean and set apart. So those things, I don't believe we have to, we have to, yeah. keep any more because we're Romans is talking about it very clearly. We're not trying, we're upholding the law, but we're not trying to keep the law to be saved for salvation or for anything like that. So all those things are cast off. Mm-hmm. We're simply looking at the moral law and, and, uh, you know, has some, then there's, uh, I don't know, all this other stuff. I don't, I don't know, <laughs> yeah. but basically, yeah, that, that's the, you know, I, yeah, I, I totally hear you guys that it wouldn't yeah. be, that it wouldn't be easy and that there's some difficulties. I think 
yeah, especially even theologically, the really big debate is, is it applied? Should it be applied anywhere but Israel in that certain time? Yeah. And so kind of what I'm hearing from you know is like, no, this is the only, this is, it was written for them in their time. It's very clearly written for them. It doesn't really seem like it's written for us. And I can see that for sure. But I think it's good. I, I believe it's good and it should be applied. And so. On the individual basis, for sure. Mm-hmm. I would agree. But like, it's not, it's not for, it's really all of the societal stuff, you know, like how do you, how do you engage these disagreements between, mm-hmm. between um, even your neighbor and et cetera. Um, and how do you like adjudicate those things? Yeah. Yeah. So my big thing is like, you know, the, like the prophets, the people of the Old Testament, you know, they failed royally, right? We, we all see that. Um, so but badly. They, oh they, my gosh. They, were, they sucked at what they were trying to do. But at least they kind of sucked at an agreed upon set of principles. We don't even have that anymore. No. We don't even have, an, we don't agree anymore. Like what if uh, we had like a, like a theonomy, but it was like, we're all Protestant here. What if it was a, like a Catholic theonomy? That would suck. And historically, it has sucked. <laughs> Look at the freaking, That's right. What is the papal states? The papal states? Yeah. Ugh, gosh. Okay, anyways. Yeah, no. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. I, so I, I think we, what we need here is if we want to have a system like that, we're going to need a sort of consensus. And the only ideology I've ever seen achieve ironically even, like some form of hegemony is liberalism straight up. And I think that reason that is is because it recognizes that like modus vivendi liberalism as described by Mearsheimer says that like uh, you can have total – Totally just lost me there, but keep going. Sorry. uh, Pardon me. Um, Well, I'll I'll define it here. Okay. Um, Yeah, yeah. Speaking Greek right now. So a a branch of liberalism basically. a a branch of liberalism. So coexisting parties can exist – uh, peacefully with, uh, pardon me, uh, coexisting parties that conflict can exist peacefully within one society. And I think that principle is the reason why we've seen like other countries go off and kind of copy like what the U.S. is doing with their constitution. Like it's signi- it's statistically significant how many other countries have copied the U.S. constitution mm. because it's worked well. Um, so having this uh, this system where you know people can like kind of live police peacefully while having different values i think uh mm. yeah i think it's the best system well i i actually totally agree i think i would maybe just view the u.s and the constitution and really importantly like the bill of rights as like like the when we say we have God, these God-given inalienable rights that can't be taken away by government. That, that you know, we we all should have the right, you know, to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Those things. I don't think that those are. I don't. I personally, especially even now, it's like I don't see that. I don't see that everyone has the right to to life mm-hmm. in America. Mm-hmm. And we're talking about unborn unborn people and et cetera. And so, but I do see how those, even these, like, I guess I would maybe call them like theonomic principles of America actually led to this. And I would say, I would cite maybe, um, 
I, man, I really should read the Old Testament more. I would say some passages that talk about the way that that foreigners should be treated in Israel, and it wasn't poorly. We're not talking about. We're not there. There's some maybe there's some different rules going on because they're foreigners, mm-hmm. but there isn't a kill all infidels deal going on. You know, like it's there's not like it, a, there's a you whole have to possibility because you're not Muslim. Yes, or exactly. You're a second class citizen because you don't adhere yeah. to. You know, so it's like, Muhammad. yeah, you should come and worship at the temple. You should come and do these things. You know, we're going to allow you to exist here. Yeah. Um, and you're not, you don't have to be under all the same purity rules and et cetera. Which that's, that's a very important distinction, okay. the purity rules, especially mm-hmm. when you say that, because like a lot of other, you know, like I think really important is like Islam advocates 100% for a theocracy. Mm-hmm. Sharia law, Muhammad, historically, the founding and the principles put out in the Quran advocates for a theocracy but they wish and i think this is something everyone at this table probably would agree on is like well disagree with them on is that they believe yep. their purity laws their morality needs to be forced by coercion by the government onto other individuals and using violence in any means is yep. what essentially is the islamic you know view of yeah, that yeah. which is like not to interrupt you no no you're good flame, no that's like, exactly what uh, I was trying to, I okay, guess I'm sorry. trying to get at is like the Christian principles upon which this nation was built is what allows um, religious freedom and et cetera to exist, even though we think we're right. <laughs> we're, not, we're like, yeah, but we're not going to kill you. Or we're not going to do these things because you, you aren't a Christian. We're actually going to love you, even if yeah. you're our enemies, and we're going to allow you to live here and et cetera. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's 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 kind of how I view it. I I totally under I totally see how. I guess it's really just like coming at it from two different angles and viewing oh, yeah. it that way. But that's kind of how I view that, and so I'm like, oh yeah, like this is a great example of these things, you know. Yeah. What What do you think? I, I think it's interesting. You did bring up the Constitution. Mm-hmm. Both of you did actually. Um. I wrote a paper um last year. It's called the Great Legitimizer of Rights. Uh, really stupid idea to write this paper because it was way too complicated <laughs> for the grade I was getting. Really just overkilled it entirely. But basically, I, I found an issue in this class, which was that the, you know, Thomas Jefferson uses an objective means of legitimacy for the rights of mankind in the Declaration of Independence. He, he doesn't say, like, collectively we establish these rights, blah, blah, blah. He says, these rights are endowed upon us by our creators, you know, in the con- in the Declaration of Independence. It's like it's not in the Bill of Rights. I screwed it up, didn't I? No, no, the Bill of Rights. Okay, sorry. I'm no one. I was mixed it up, bro. No, you're good. The Declaration. <laughs> no one says reads. the Declaration says you know the legitimacy of rights comes from a God. It doesn't specify. Does it have to be a Judeo-Christian God? I mean, historically, that would be the assumption. It's the Judeo-Christian mm-hmm. God, but no, doesn't necessarily need to be interpreted that way. But either way, having a higher power authority of some sort legitimizing the rights takes away the subjectivity of, you know, the collective has to agree upon these sets of rights. No, you're saying the all-powerful being makes these objective. Mm. So that makes it a lot harder to do away with those specific rights. Constitution 100% completely lacks that because Mm. they didn't want to establish, you know, a state religion. They were trying to get away from... Oh, using yeah. that for granting legitimacy. So 
you have these two very significant guiding documents. Well, technically, the Declaration isn't a guiding document. It's just a historical mm-hmm. document. But you have these two documents that are very foundational to the foundation of America. Ironic. Um, but they're conflicting with each yeah. other for where they get the legitimacy, right? And I mean, yeah. historical historians would say it's it's very much implied in the Constitution based off of the religious tendencies of virtually every single signer of the Constitution, which is that rights come from that rich history of natural law theory, blah, 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 all the way up to you know this reformed political reformed political theory of essentially the rights of persons coming from a creator in some way or somehow. But now in twenty twenty one, you know. America, which I think I said 2020 in this podcast earlier, so apologies. Uh, whatever. In 2021, there's a significant sector of the population that doesn't believe in a higher power. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we don't have that assumption in the Constitution anymore that it, sure. our rights come from that objective source. You have a sector of the population that, that really believes the Bill of Rights essentially is really just something that is a collectively agreed upon set of rules versus something that collectively people decided came from an objective source, which is a very important distinction, I think, Mm. because the legitimacy of our rights is very significant to the maintenance of our rights. Yeah, so I'd like to talk about, so Mm -hmm. the Enlightenment comes from, uh, is a European phenomenon, and it's, as a result of that, it's largely influenced by Christianity, right? Mm -hmm. But its ideals can be applied through secular means. Like the idea of like life, liberty, and uh uh, and property. Uh, some of the like you can argue that some of those values may be like were influenced by the nature of like uh, Christianity in the region at the time and what people valued. But those because of the nature of like how people value things now due to like subjectivity, it, it doesn't matter how they originated necessarily because they still continue in. Without mm. that kind of logic going back, does like, I guess, but like, I have a I have a question. Maybe. Okay. Oh yeah. Um, does the intention of the writers does that matter? Oh well, okay. If we're looking at the intention, many of the founders were like deists. They weren't like yeah, Christians, yeah. like we are now. No, for yeah. sure, hundred percent. Yeah. So, but the, they intended it as a higher authority. Yeah. Is maybe well, what we're so the, in the Constitution, not necessarily. But mm-hmm. yeah, the so sure. the declarations you can make, they're based on enlightenment values first and foremost. Mm-hmm. Then you can argue that those enlightenment values are based on Christian values and they're yeah. influenced on like from them based on like, you know, it being European and like the very high density of like a Christian population. Yeah, I think not even and, just like the that, thinkers there were even. Yeah, Christ- yeah, because like Locke was yeah. famously, he was like, what, half Calvinist when he wrote his you know, mm-hmm. treatise on government, treatise on government. So it's like there's a direct influence, but I guess the yeah. question I was kind of trying to pos- posit to you is like, is like, sure, you can, you can establish those through secular means, but mm-hmm. is there going to be an objective basis for it? Because yeah, but I, I don't think, yeah, I see that. You know um, I mean? No, there isn't, but I don't think that necessarily matters if you know what I mean. Yeah. I would say fundamentally for the establishment and maintenance of rights, I think there needs to be, a legitimate, a legitimate, a legitimizer for it that's objective because if it's if yeah. there's not, then it's just like, well, what if everyone collectively thinks that like, like slavery is okay now? Well, well, people did, and it was bad. Well, yeah, that's exactly <laughs> my point. And it, it, it's like, 
it, it's not like it's not perfect. Like it's not going to guarantee you the best values all the time. I'm <laughs> just saying that's like how the world works. That's how I see it. Right. Yeah. It's not like. Like, for instance, uh, Adam Smith didn't ne- – he didn't necessarily, like, while he was, like, studying capitalism, he, he wasn't necessarily advocating it the whole time. He yeah. was just saying, this is how it's happening. Yeah. This is how I see how the world works. And then people looked at it, that, and then they're like, huh, this is interesting. Uh, this, And then they, they built up capitalism from those, like – from those phenomenon that, like, that Adam Smith was observing, all right? So I, I'm not saying that this is the like the perfect system that's going to solve all of our mm-hmm. moral and ethical questions. I'm just saying this is this is what I see. This is how the world okay. works. Okay, so you're, you're taking more of an observational stance. Yeah. Okay. What does that mean, Sam? Observational stance. He's just like taking it from like. Oh, a, like this is just the way it is. This yeah. is the way it but is. But it's yeah. not. It's not maybe the yeah, idea. Yeah, and we can't. We we have to work with how the like the world functions, right? We can't ignore this. That that's at least how I see it. Sure. I yeah, think that's, well, that's fair. Yeah, we we'd be naive to like try to like say the world works in another way when, uh, as I see, oh, it, for it's sure. not working in that way. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm definitely I'm saying, I would definitely agree with you. Like this is the way that things are, and if mm-hmm. this is all we know, then it's really a okay. Well, we know parts of the law based on the fact that we we have the law written in our heart. We should be able to discern. You know, it's not right to kill somebody. It's that's that's inherent. I believe that that's more inherently known, mm-hmm. um, just within ourselves. And but I also I I'm, you know, what, from what I'm saying, definitely from a theonomy point of view, is like, well, you know, it is, it's it's a special revelation that we're receiving from God. It's not it's not going to be agreed upon, and it's not going to be even known by everyone. Yeah, and I've already said this, like. that's great in, like, principle, but, like, trying to establish that in a state and having that enforced is where I disagree. Mm. So would you say ideally it's going to look something like kind of what Sam is positing, like a ideally everyone kind of agrees, Christian morals, but we're going to allow, you know, we're going to create, like, this more libertarian society where people have the freedoms to, engage in these things and, yeah. and very little interference in those things as well. And there's like, like, and like maybe there's an overarching, mm-hmm. like God's law, you should adhere to it a hundred percent, especially if you ascribe to it. I mean, obviously if you don't ascribe to it, it if you don't adhere to it, there's going to be consequences eternally. Oh yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, but I guess the way I would look at it is like specifically biblical laws. I think a lot of them should maybe only be implied, I mean, applied Mm-hmm. in context where it is negatively impacting another individual. So it's like, yeah. thou shalt not murder. Well, you're literally taking away someone else's right to life. Yeah, mm-hmm. That's something that's in the Bible. It's something that's universally agreed on outside of it. A negative. It's bad if I kill you, Ethan, right? Yeah. Probably not too good for you. Oh, thanks, bro. I think that should be something that we ban. <laughs> yeah. uh, stuff like that. But, I mean, then there's some of the more, like, I guess here's maybe my hot take of the night. Should prostitution be illegal? I think mm-hmm. maybe this surprises some people, but like I really don't necessarily think it should be. I think if if it's a hundred percent a consenting individual that is willingly a part of the prostitution industry, and there's an, an individual that is willingly accepting the offer of the prostitution, you know, I don't think 
we should come out and necessarily threaten them. I don't think society should be like condoning this. I think we should be saying this is not okay, but I don't think it's, I don't think the government should come down and like stop on these two people who are very clearly not Christian and tell them to adhere to these laws that they don't, they don't care about. I think we should ultimately Mm -hmm. leave that up to God. Yeah. I I think that's what I've been saying for like most of this time. Mm -hmm. Right. Like uh, we shouldn't force like the government to like enforce a certain framework, which doesn't, which not everyone recognizes. Mm -hmm. Right. Now, let's say we, like, elect a very substantial, like, portion of, like, our legislatures that are Christian, maybe. We can start enforcing, like, Christian values, like, through that system. But at at the end of the day, the system should be built up on rules and institutions that are built upon, like, agreed-upon principles, which aren't necessarily, like, from that objectivist framework. Okay. So So then, like, prostitution and adultery... There's, there shouldn't be, there shouldn't be punishment for those things. Well, I mean, there isn't, there isn't punishment, punishment no, for adultery. Not here. Not, no, no not, not in America. America. Yeah. yeah not, I think not it in the stay human way. realm. No. I, I, I think it should s- stay that way because I don't, I don't think, I mean, of course I'd want that to be punished. Like, is it? No, my heart wants that to be punished hundred percent. My heart doesn't mm-hmm. want those things, but I don't think us just banning those things is necessarily going to create a better world, if that makes sense. Like, I don't know if we'll be able to successfully eradicate it by that means. I I think. I'm not sure it's the state's job to enforce that anyway. I don't think moral, I don't think moral laws that are, I guess, I mean, all, all laws are moral. You might disagree with me on this, Noah. I don't, I don't even know what you're moral, saying. Like, I mean, all laws make moral assumptions. I, I, I guess, I yeah. Think, well, well I mean, I, I, maybe not all laws, but, you know, most. I see what you're getting yeah, at. Yeah, like, I, I would say all laws are moral, but I think there's a distinction between, like I said earlier, like laws that are moral, but also impact other people negatively directly. So, like, murder, mm-hmm. theft. Um, Adultery. <laughs> It's on. A, I don't know if necessarily. Yeah. I think things should be applied that are um, negatively impacting people on a more of emotional level, because sure. that then goes into a more subjective realm that I don't think the sure. law is ready to enforce necessarily. Yeah, is it? I guess I, I'm really just thinking like when it comes to prostitution, adultery, etc. Yeah, to me, it is. It, it if if I know that it's wrong, mm-hmm. and so I know what justice involves there then there should be some sort of action taken does that action need to be taken by means of yeah. government coercion there's a lot of sins that i guess aren't, i'm not I mean? but i'm not arguing for a like oh you can't go to someone else's home without governmental consent i'm, I'm not saying, I'm saying that i'm meaning like and this is a very like very much so a you know I'm sure we're still talking about, you know, going through the legalities. There needs to be witnesses. This needs to be yeah. brought forward in court, etc. I don't think that's the police's job. Well, I don't think it's their job to like be breaking into people's homes to try to catch them in adultery. Yeah. Per se. They should probably I think they should be trying to break up like prostitution rings and etc. Okay. So I got a few questions for you. Now, based on, like, things like the Ten Commandments, like, do you think these should be prosecuted in, like, a criminal court of law by the state, or do you think these are just matters between, like, 
individual relationships between like humans and God. Like for instance, mm-hmm. if someone like takes uh, God's name in vain, is that a matter which should be prosecuted in a court of law or is that uh, just something that like people should work out within their relationship with God? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think, I think that it should be, so, you know, all of the work that needs to be done, looking through all of the law, interpreting those well, seeing how the new Testament maybe, um, adapts in some ways or takes on those, those laws or also gets rid of them. Cause that, that happens often too. Um, and then basically, that's awkward. That's really <laughs> awkward. Uh, my friends want me to play Minecraft with them. Oh, classic. Know, happens. Well, yeah. So basically I think that, yes, it should be, it should be brought into the court, but I think there's definitely a lot of, of work as well. And basically an interpretation is what I'm saying. Like, because like it also says in the 10 commandments, like, like, keep the Sabbath holy, like, oh, you should rest on the Sabbath. And that's mm-hmm. like, we don't do that. We don't do that at all. Yeah, but I, I think it would be Sunday? good. I think it, I think it would be good. Yeah, we're going to soccer game. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think that, so then that, that has to do with some interpretation in the New Testament and saying, oh, well, you know, what is, you know, if, if one man, it's, it's like talking about like, you know, if one man thinks of all days as holy and one thinks of one, one day more holy than the others, like, both of them are fine. That's a fat paraphrase. That was a really but, uh, fat paraphrase. <laughs> but basically like, okay, well, no. No one needs to be arrested for doing work on the Sabbath. Why not? Because of the interpretation through the New Testament. Okay. And so that law is going to look differently. Um, I have no idea. That's why I'm like, I have no idea about like using the Lord's name in vain. My, my sense tells me that someone shouldn't like necessarily be punished. Um, but I'm not sure exactly what yeah. the loss is about that. But do you see how there could be disagreement over like mm-hmm. how people like uh, recognize which like yeah. laws in the Bible should be prosecuted in a court of law by the state yeah. and which ones shouldn't? Yeah, I think it would be, but it would be the the hard work, but the the necessary work of saying what are because I don't even know. But it's in there, you know. Are there punishments for using the Lord's name in vain, or is okay. it a like basically the distinction between what is sin and what is crime? Mm-hmm. I believe that there are things that are sin, like like during their time, it's a sin to work on the Sabbath. But is it a is it a crime to work on the Sabbath? Leviticus, I'm not sure. Leviticus twenty four says that a person caught taking God's name in vain was to be stoned. Boom. So, so yeah. yeah, yeah. I think I think there would be there would be in, then in that case, yes, there it is a it is a crime. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which I see as kind of okay. hardcore. <laughs> but also, is that a is a purity thing or is it a moral thing? It, yeah. How is that yeah. interpreted in its context? Yeah, I'm not sure the Bible can be used as a guiding document for you know a. A nation, for instance, uh, we talked about this a little bit earlier, but like the the tension between the Bible being written in a certain historical context, and then also being the Word of God, mm. right? As we go from the Old Testament, for, for instance, to the New Testament, there is a new historical context. Mm-hmm. Perhaps, like our historical context, context is so different now 
that maybe some things would be perhaps a little bit different. I don't know. For instance, like the definition of marriage, if we look at it in the Bible, is just way different than it is now. Now, like for instance, like you have one one man would multiple like mm-hmm. would marry in the Old Testament would marry like younger women when they just first had their period, for instance, mm-hmm. right? Something that would seem grotesque now. Yep. That just not great. Um, and they would have like multiple wives, and you would have that in the uh, I think it's called the Beitavit system. Like maybe you'd know more about like the Beitavs. I've like, heard of that. Like, but I like don't their, what that that, that would be like their their family unit systems, right? Mm-hmm. And like that's so different from what we have now, right? So it, maybe the that, circumstances are totally yeah, different. Yeah, I, I think sure. we gotta. That's why I struggle to see how the Bible can be used to govern our current historical context, right? Like we can take the values and ethics and morals from it, but then to apply it to our world now just seems really tricky to me. Yeah, I think that's problem lies. And I think that's where I would say God's law, I mean, it applies to everyone, but I think the enforcement needs to occur on the basis of the individual just because of the subjective interpretation and the fact that I don't think a pure theonomy could take shape in a way that would be less destructive to the bandage that is government, That the two versions of it we have now. I think the libertarian option is a far better bandage in the in the non-permanent period we have now before Christ returns. I think right now the system, more reformed obviously because I'm not a huge fan of the current legal system, but I think the way it is now is a much better bandage in a fallen world that is so far from that perfect garden of Eden, you know? Yeah. Like, I don't think libertarianism is in heaven at all. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> at all. Oh, for sure. Like, I don't, I guess I, I kind of brought it up half-heartedly, but I was like, I mean, prostitution's disgusting, you know? That's, mm. even in situations where people aren't being, you know, forced and coerced into it, but the you're degrading your body to that level on both sides of it. The person mm-hmm. receiving, the person giving, you know, and it's like it's just not good. And I, it's it's an abomination to God. But it, I just don't know if it's government's job necessary necessarily. I think the individual should for sure try to prevent that. But should the collective government do that? I, I don't know. Yeah, I think I don't know if you guys are kind of ready to start wrapping up a little bit or whatnot. Yeah, I, I I guess I had one. More points. Yeah, just yeah. one last thing. Just, I, I totally hear you guys and what you're saying. Mm-hmm. I, I think the thing that I that I struggle with, and the thing kind of kind of keeping me from, from agreeing completely because I'm, I've said it probably like four times now. Like it would be so difficult, It'd be so difficult to interpret and apply. I have done zero work to understand it basically how to apply, how to actually live in a theonomy. But the thing that's difficult for me is if I believe that Christ is king, if he is king now, which I do, he is he is sovereign over all and he is and he has given us a good law, a good law that that if was if it was done away in the New Testament, I would I would say, well that was really good for Israel, but it's not anymore. But that's not the case. It still was not done away with. What shall we do with the law then? We shall uphold the law. That's what Paul says. And so for me, regardless of the difficulties, regardless of the amount of people that that maybe disagree 
Christ is their king. And so it's the reality of the situation. And I, and I hope that it would, it would actually spur us on to more righteousness, to more repentance, to all these things, because the law is clearly laid out in front of people. And so I, I totally hear what you guys are saying. I think, yeah, but that's kind of that my main issue. My main two issues are basically that he is king. He's king now. And that it is something that is good that hasn't been done away with. Yeah. I, I mean, like, yeah, I, I agree. I guess there's not really that call specifically for government to enforce it, though, which I think is the main difference. Because, like, I 100% agree the law still applies. Mm-hmm. 100% still applies. Jesus didn't come to. So it's just and it's good and it applies, but yeah. we shouldn't use it. I'm not saying we shouldn't use it. I'm saying uh-huh. I don't think the government should use it. That's what I mean. Like, okay, if it's like, something that's just and is good, given by God, then we should. Then the government should use it, right? Oh, I guess when you put it like that. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, wow. that's. I know that's really boiling no, it down. I, and, yeah, but and it I, makes it diff- And it's. It's not that it's going to be easy. It would be well, easy. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Sure. I mean, I'm yeah, still. But processing are we the this government? Too. That's that's my thing. Is like mm. we should use it, but are we the government? That's kind of. I I meant. When I said we, I meant that in a societal, yeah, in a so- as in uh, like like in oh, in America. I see what you're saying. In America, yeah. should we use? Yeah, that's you know what, what I mean. I, yeah. I guess I do agree. Yeah, we we should use it, but keyword is like should I suppose? But the thing is, it, there's like a certain criteria that has to be met before we can do that, right? And that is like everyone coming together to agree on it. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, that's something that I, I think, think that's possible. Well, I think. I think it's this possible maybe, Jesus comes back. Yeah, I think sure. that's maybe where we can end it off is by saying, like, really, really, I think that's the distinction maybe between you, me and you guys is, like, mm-hmm. I think the criteria criteria has been met. As in, to me, Christ needs to be king. That's that's pretty much it. <laughs> yeah. And you guys are saying, well, well, if not everyone, if people aren't, if the majority of people aren't even accepting it, then why would that be valid? Yeah. In a sense. Is that fair? Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's that's fair. Yeah. All the other stuff aside, which is all very important as well. Well, Frick, I mean, what's what's the point of the episode even? I mean, there's not really. What do we walk away with man. from this, man? It's just like. <laughs> uh, I need to sharp. read the Old Testament, bro. I need yeah. to read the Old Testament. Too. I, I think that's what we got to come away from. Come away from. I, I mean, yeah, it would be away. fun just just to maybe some other time come back together and look it. at some specific examples. Yeah. Look yeah. at. Oh, at this, these grouping of verses, how is this applied in the New Testament, and et cetera, and tackle a few of those. A part two. And then maybe take those mm. libertarian verses, very strictly God's law, yeah. and look at that. Well, I mean, it's, it's such a difficult topic. I mean, it's probably the most difficult topic oh, we've yeah. had. Yeah, so because complex. This is the most complex. And I think, on one way or another, we all agree, for sure, individually, mm. the individual should seek to it, adhere and to uphold the laws of God, especially a Christian, you know, those are things that we should all seek to adhere to. It's just we're, really the question mark of this entire episode is: should the government compel the individual to mm. to those things? And I don't know. I guess it's kind of kind of did like the Philip DeFranco. I mean, what do you guys think? Like, are people listening? Like, this is something I think will be a really fruitful conversation because I think it kind of hits at the root at the at the root of everything. You know, it's like all of our conversations in society kind of come around this one issue, which is like, 
are there two separate spheres? Is government and religion two separate areas of society? Are they combined? Are they somewhat connected? Like I'm saying, you know, what what's the answer? And how do we apply those to these controversial issues like abortion, like gay marriage, like all these different subjects? How do we apply them as Christians in 2021? And to that, I have absolutely no objective answer right now, but I don't think anyone else does. <laughs> uh, anyways, uh, this has been episode five of Anti-Foley. Uh, thank you guys for listening.